go. This is Bitcoin Tech Talk issue number 237. And the title is Learning Better Investment Habits. During a bull market, new buyers look for dips to stack. But then when the dip inevitably comes, many shy away and don't stack. We're in the middle of one right now, and it's clear that many people just don't know when to buy. They think that it may head lower and would feel stupid buying now should it do so. The sad reality of new coiners is that many simply don't have a very long-term view. They're very sensitive to 5-10% to moves in the short term and not very sensitive to the 200-1000% to moves in the long term. This is a mentality that's been brought over from fiat where the few percentage moves make a long-term difference. This is what I want to explore today. How are fiat investing habits hinder Bitcoin adoption? Here are three <clears throat> habits that we need to shed before going all in on Bitcoin. And it's something that I hope we can encourage new coiners to adopt. The first bad investing habit is variance reduction. This can be done a multitude of ways, but diversification is the main way. This is a habit that we've picked up because there's no good store of value. The only way to imitate uh, that is to put money into lots of risky assets. As risky assets get more investment, the Fed move, removes this risk through bailouts. This has essentially taught the market to expect little to no variance. Unfortunately, removing volatility also limits upside quite a bit as risk and volatility are two sides of the same coin. Variance reduction looks worthwhile when inflation is believed to be in the 1-2% to range. As the lie of CPI gets exposed, it's obvious that a 1-2% to return on your money is sim simply does not store value very well. Real inflation is monetary expansion, and that's been around 7% annually since 1959 as measured by the USD M2 money supply. Volatility reduction makes people safe, even if it's as a result of having their money stolen from them. The second bad investing habit is outsourcing research. This is understandable since in the fiat system, keeping your money is as much a job as making your money. Outsourcing investments, whether through mutual funds, hedge funds, or family offices, frees people up from this responsibility. Unfortunately, this is a major tax on wealth as not only will outsource investors try to reduce variance and thus reduce gains, but also charge a good deal of money. Financial investment professionals exist at all levels of the economy to invest other people's money. That they can charge so much shows that there's a deep culture of wealth extraction from savers. Outsourcing is ultimately the res result of people's desire to create goods and services instead of micromanaging their money. As savings becomes easier through Bitcoin, a lot of this tax can be put towards better use and a lot fewer investment professionals will be needed. The third fiat investment habit is thinking that investment is more like gambling than saving. Fiat money puts every saver in the position of having to take lots of risk with their money in order to store value, and when combined with a lack of research, is indistinguishable from gambling. Leveraged derivatives make investment way more exciting than any casino game and more convenient to boot. For well-connected people and businesses, risky investing in behavior is incentivized with bailouts. For everyone else, 
Speculation is an addictive trap that they can easily fall into because of the need to take risk in a fiat economy. With Bitcoin, savings is much easier, and for those of us that have been in the space for a while, other investment vehicles begin to look a lot more like gambling. Bitcoin creates enough incentives to save that gambling to save that gambling on investments becomes less attractive. Variance reduction, outsourcing of research, and gambling are unfortunately behaviors that people new to Bitcoin engage in. Altcoin bubbles form in large part because of these bad habits picked up from fiat money. Thankfully, people learn after being in Bitcoin a while that these are not productive behaviors. Instead, saving in Bitcoin by providing goods and services to others is best long term. In other words, Bitcoin fixes these bad fiat investment habits and builds a civilization through its incentives. So um, I wrote this article as sort of like a way to reflect on how a lot of new coiners just need to learn different investing habits than they're used to. A lot of people are very sensitive to variance or volatility. Um, they don't like to do their own research or spend way too much doing research, research if they do. Um, and gambling um, seems to come with the territory because people don't want to do research, research and like the thrill of feeling like they're earning money that they uh, or gaining money that they didn't really earn. Um, and these are habits that I think people will shed as people get into Bitcoin and are in it for longer and longer. Bitcoin is ultimately a savings technology. All of this other stuff, um, all of these other habits are learned because uh, the dollar is not a very good savings technology. All right, let's uh, look at some of these stories uh, for Bitcoin. River Financial has published the Great 101 on Taproot and all the benefits it brings. This is a very common question for those that are interested in Bitcoin but don't necessarily know the technical details. They do a great job of outlining the benefits of Schnorr signatures, the various TapScript mechanics, and the privacy enhancements of Taproot. Recommended for everyone, but for developers especially, as there's likely going to be a lot of questions about this from normies going forward. So, uh, yeah, River Financial has been publishing a lot of really great content uh, in a fairly accessible way. Um, that particular link takes you to a bunch of resources about Taproot and explains everything in fairly decent, uh, fairly easy to understand terms. Keep it simple, Bitcoin has published a security guide for those that want to do Bitcoin the right way. This is another big question from those going down the Bitcoin rabbit hole. In particular, one of the most asked questions is, how do I custody my own coins? And this guide goes through how, uh, how to set up a hardware wallet and testing everything. I like how step-by-step -step it is, and hopefully this gets more people used to not trusting third parties with their coins. This is an excellent resource to send to your new coiner friends who are asking these questions. So this is one of the most talked about questions on Clubhouse. Uh, how do I start costing my own coins? Well, there's a security guide that shows you exactly step by step what to do, how to how to check everything and so on. I think this is the guide that people should really take a look at um, instead of just um, 
you know, going with uh, whatever is recommended to them on Clubhouse or something like that. This, this one's more thorough and, uh, and a very good resource. Bitcoin Dev Kit has published the new way to do paper wallets based on wallet descriptors. This is a great way to back up more complicated wallets as anything that can be written as a wallet descriptor can be backed up. This includes multi-sig or much more complicated schemes. In particular, this looks very useful for Schnorr as the entire script part of Taproot can be efficiently encoded as a descriptor and backed up in a reasonable way. Now, if only a metal seed backup manufacturer would make something that I could put this on. So uh, the paper wallets have been around for a long time, but Bitcoin Dev Kit has a way now to back up multi-sig and, and so on. And I think this is a very good way to back your back up your setup. Um, I would like to see some sort of metal um, uh, way of doing it because uh, paper wallets uh, will burn in a fire and so on. All right, Lightning. Lightning developers are holding an IRC workshop for making some improvements to the protocol. The main reasons for this meeting are to discuss the transaction relay and mempool rules to reduce the possible attacks on Lightning opening closing transactions. The main strategy seems to be around fee bumping flexibility using RBF. Antoine Riard has put uh, ha has put the resources to study here. So um, currently there are a lot of um, little, uh, you know, attack vectors uh, that are related to transaction finalization and channel closing and things like that. And what Antoine is, uh, is proposing is a way to make this better uh, uh, by you know, having a group of Lightning developers talk about exactly how to reduce these uh, possible attack vectors. The Lightning Labs team answered some questions from the OKX community in this AMA. They covered a number of issues, including declining the coin capacity and how to get Lightning into the hands of the people that need it the most in third world countries. This comes on the heels of OKX adding Lightning support for their exchange. So OKX is has been an interesting um, exchange the last year or so. They, they've definitely come around more towards Bitcoin and they're trying to support the ecosystem. They've adopted Lightning and they hosted this AMA to uh, get people more excited about Lightning. And they, they asked some tough questions like, why is the Bitcoin capacity going down? Um, and basically the dollar amount has been going up because Bitcoin has been going up, but the Bitcoin capacity has been going down. Um, and, uh, you know, one of the answers in, in that AMA was, well, there's a lot of private channels now that are being utilized and it's, it's hard to know what's going on in those. Jameson Lop has a review of all interest-bearing Bitcoin services. To be fair, he's only reviewing the sign-up process and the terms of service. Surprisingly, many of the ones he reviewed have some serious flaws in even that limited scope. If you are curious about how Bitcoin services can provide interest in Bitcoin terms, Junk Capital has a great analysis. So two stories there. Jameson Lab um, went through you know, uh, signing up for a bunch of different Bitcoin services where they'll pay you interest in Bitcoin. And I think he found like nine of them. A lot of them have, uh, you know, are not confidence inspiring. They have spelling mistakes all over the place. He couldn't get KYC on a lot of them. A lot of the apps wouldn't work. 
Um, so, uh, you know, it, it's an interesting review, to say the least. Uh, Jump Capital essentially talks about how these interest-bearing services make money. Um, it seems like uh, GBTC was a major uh, component to that. Um, well worth reading both articles. Mitch Klee makes the case that the changing definition of CPI is used to manipulate people into thinking their fiat currency is a good store of value. The CPI is a very flawed metric and is a political weapon, and articles like this are needed to orange pill many pre-coiners. M2 growth is probably the closest thing we have to actual inflation, and as we've seen this year, that is gaining traction as the real inflation number instead of CPI. So um, CPI is a very political number, and it is what a lot of people think is inflation, but it actually is not. It's a manipulated metric. The hedonic adjustments uh, of all types essentially make the CPI come in at 2% every year, although if you measure inflation in um in terms that the government had back in the 60s or something like that, we'd have a lot higher inflation. They, they basically played with the numbers. Um, monetary expansion is not easily uh, manipulated like that. So, um, you know, it's easy to see that the M2 money supply it has been growing at around 7% for, you know, the last 60, 70 years. Venmo has followed Cash App in allowing purchases of Bitcoin on its app. They are unfortunately also allowing purchases of alts, which will make that, uh, which will probably make them something of an altcoin casino going forward. But at least it gives more people access to Bitcoin exposure in a convenient way. Um, the thing about, uh, well, Venmo is obviously a competitor to Cash App, and this is a way for them to monetize. And I think they're thinking that by offering a lot more, um, you know, alts and things like that, they'll get more business. Evidence is that most people just want to want Bitcoin. Um, but, you know, if they do buy other stuff, they end up getting wrecked and having a sour taste in their mouths. Also makes it hard for them to um, roll out features uh, for that, that are Bitcoin specific. So I expect them to be kind of like, um, you know, Coinbase in that regard. They'll they'll be slow to roll out a lot of Bitcoin improvements that would be beneficial to them. It looks like the Bitcoin uh, Valkyrie Bitcoin ETF is closer than any U.S. Bitcoin ETF has been, according to this report. The New York Stock Exchange has filed to list the ETF, and the SEC has 45 day, days to either accept or reject the application. Needless to say, a U.S.-based ETF will make it much easier for institutional investors to buy Bitcoin. Whether the ETF will drive the price of Bitcoin remains to be seen. So... ETFs, uh, it looks much closer. So they have a 45-day window to uh, accept or reject it. Um, and if you uh, go out 45 days from when it was announced, I think it's like June 3rd or something like that. That's the first day of the Miami Bitcoin conference. So that might be one epic weekend if it gets approved. I, I can see the price going absolutely bonkers right around that. Arthur Hayes once again writes in his own irreverential style. The main topic of this screed is how many people that talk to us really just want particular altcoins to buy as if we're stock gurus. His question to them when they ask for the hot new altcoin to buy is a very good one. Have you read the white paper? There's a lot more about banking and inflation, which I liked a bit about uh, Ethereum, which I didn't, but it's all worth reading. Uh, Arthur Hayes, of course, is the one that 
just surrendered to um, the uh, the SEC or something like that for uh, you know his role in uh, Bitmax. Uh, but he he writes very lucidly about a lot of different things, and his particular question: Have you read the white paper? Uh, will shut down uh, any altcoiner on. Uh, hey, which one should I buy? Well, have you read the Bitcoin white paper? Because it's like the basis of everything. And if they say no, it's like, well, then go do your own research, basically. Um, Brett Winton looks at how solar energy and Bitcoin have synergy. Their model predicts that the intermittent renewable sources of energy like solar and wind are more made more steady and viable through Bitcoin mining. There's something really interesting about how the energy generation can be made more useful and Bitcoin will soon become a necessary economic input to green energy. Their model is open source and on GitHub. So um, very interesting thought that uh, these intermittent sources of energy now become um, sort of instantly consumable by Bitcoin. And using that uh, as an input, you can make a lot of these solar and wind farms a lot more viable um, uh, from an economics perspective going forward. Lastly, I did a written debate about NFTs. I wouldn't call the back and forth scintillating exactly, but perhaps you can find it useful to understand what sort of weird mental gymnastics NFT peddlers are using. This was for Paragraph, and I uh, you know, started it, and basically it took them for the other side forever to write back. Um, Anyway, it's, uh, you know, I opened, they responded, I responded, and then they closed. So that it's it's only four articles, but you can see my thinking on NFTs. I, I've already talked a lot about it in my newsletter and so on. So you can go look at that if you, uh, if you want. Another week, another Bitcoin article debunking energy FUD and another. This seems to be sort of the topic du jour among a lot of uh, Bitcoin bloggers is debunking the energy FUD and it does deserve debunking it but to some degree it's uh it's gone a little overboard at this point since everybody and their grandma including myself um have commented on that in particular all right i am going to be at the bitcoin 2021 conference and on june 4th and 5th and i will also be at the bitcoin standard conference on august 12th to 14th in mexico and my programming blockchain seminar is happening before both of those events. And this is a two-day seminar for programmers to learn all about Bitcoin. Um, and you can apply. Um, I have scholarships available for those that can't afford it. Um, on uh, this past week's uh, episode of Bitcoin Fixes This, I talked to Robert Breedlove about metaphysics. And we talked about economics as the practical intersection between philosophy and life. He posits that Bitcoin is the solution for all the incentive problems that ultimately lead to bad morals. Um, you can check that out on my uh, podcasts, uh, you know, wherever you hear them. Breeze and Sphinx are the ones I recommend because they are Bitcoin based. I also read through last week's newsletter on Clubhouse, and I was on Tone Show to talk about Taproot and the hash rate crash. I debated Francis Coppola about Bitcoin versus fiat on Blockdown, and they interviewed me the next day for a Q&A as well. Uh, you guys might have heard about the Francis Coppola debate. I encourage you to check it out on YouTube. I was interviewed by the Morgan Millennial Report and Decentralized Life about the new book, Thank God for Bitcoin. My other books are here. Uh, they are 
the little Bitcoin book and programming Bitcoin, Fiat Delenda S. All right, so that was a quick 20-minute overview. Um, it's a bunch of people in here. If you have any questions on the newsletter, please raise your hand. Otherwise, I will end this and uh, yeah, end this room, and that'll be it. Five, four, three, two, one. All right, thank you.